Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Joy Gruitz. Good morning, good morning. So glad to be with you on this beautiful uh, July, I'm going to jump into August, July Sunday. Today we are going to cover part eight in our series, Rise and Build. Now last week we were introduced to Nehemiah as the cupbearer to the king of Persia, King Artaxerxes. And we learned that his brother showed up, Hananiah, with some of the men from Jerusalem. And they brought to Nehemiah a report. And when Nehemiah heard this report, he was deeply distressed. For you see, although the altar of the Lord and the temple in Jerusalem had been rebuilt, in fact, it had been rebuilt decades earlier, the walls surrounding Jerusalem remained in ruins. And it was so distressing to Nehemiah because he understood that without a secure wall surrounding the city of Jerusalem, it remained vulnerable and defenseless against any attack by the enemy. But they also knew, he also knew that it was a sign of public disgrace. For with a city wall left in ruins, it was a constant and visual reminder that the city and its occupants, its citizens, had been defeated. And so when he heard this report, this was his response. As we learned last week, look at Nehemiah 1 verse 4. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. His first response when he heard this distressing news was that he wept. He grieved deeply in his heart. But he didn't just stop with grieving. He then dedicated his time to prayer and fasting. You see, it was during this time of prayer and fasting that his focus was asking God that he would intervene in some miraculous way, that there would be some way somehow that the wall in Jerusalem could be rebuilt. And you know what? God answered his prayer. God put in his heart a plan. It was a plan that Nehemiah was to go. He was to lead the effort. He was to lead the Jerusalem Jews in rebuilding this wall. But you see, God answered his prayer, put in his heart a plan, but it was a plan that was going to require of Nehemiah bold obedience, to put his faith into action with bold, uncomfortable um, obedience. For you see, Nehemiah couldn't just resign from his position as cupbearer to the king. He just couldn't go in and say, I'm I'm going to leave for a while. I'm going to pick up and just go. You see, in order for him to go and fulfill God's plan to rebuild that wall and lead the people in Jerusalem, Nehemiah had to receive the approval of the king. You see, even though he was in that favored position as cupbearer to the king, he was still a servant to that king. He was at the disposal and the pleasure of King Artaxerxes. So Nehemiah was going to have to make a bold request to ask for a leave of absence, but he was also going to have to ask the king for the financial support and all the official authorization that only the king could provide. So to carry out this plan, God's plan that he put into his heart, Nehemiah was going to have to make a very bold request. It was going to have to be a very big ask. So Nehemiah began praying in the month of November or December. 
But we know by the opening chapter, in chapter 2, the opening verses, that it isn't until the month of Nisan, which is now April or May, that Nehemiah finally has the opportunity to make that request of the king. So Nehemiah has been praying for six months. First he prays for God's plan, and then he prays for the king's favor. Look what he wrote in verse 11. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put in his heart to be kind to me. Now we don't know how many todays that Nehemiah prayed that prayer. We don't know how many days it took as Nehemiah prayed this prayer, but we do know that the day it arrived, the day he had that opportunity to make that bold request, Nehemiah's distress was showing and the king noticed. It says in verse 2, I had never before appeared sad in his, the king's presence. So the king asked me, why do you look so sad? You're not sick. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified. So Nehemiah appears before the king, and for the first time he appears sad. The distress over what's happened in Jerusalem, what continues to be a problem in Jerusalem, the distress he is feeling is showing, and the king notices and so because the king noticed that he was now sad and troubled, Nehemiah says, now I'm terrified. So how was it that Nehemiah moved from being sad to now being terrified? You see, he was terrified because as a servant to the king, you were always to present a pleasant demeanor. You were never to allow what was going on in your personal life to cause the king to be concerned. So he was terrified first because for the first time he is appearing sad before the king and the king has noticed. But he's also terrified because he knows that this is going to be the opportunity to make his bold request. And if the king doesn't like what he's requesting, he could end up in the palace prison. It could even cost him his life. And you see, Nehemiah had every reason to believe that the king would not respond kindly to his request. Because you see, earlier in the king's reign, some detractors of the Jerusalem Jews had sent a letter to King Artaxerxes saying that the Jews are trying to rebuild Jerusalem, and you know what? They're troublemakers. The real reason they're trying to rebuild Jerusalem is they're trying to gain power. They want to rebel. They're going to thwart your authority once again. And so the king responded to this misleading and this negative letter by sending out a decree that all building in Jerusalem must cease. So this is why the wall had not been rebuilt. So Nehemiah knows that the bold request he's about to make is a request that is in the direct opposition to the king's own decree. I think I would be terrified too. But you see, in spite of his fear, when the king says, what's troubling you, he responded truthfully. He says, it's the condition of the city of my ancestors. It's the condition of Jerusalem that's grieving me. And the king incredibly responds, how can I help? You see, God had answered his prayer that the king would respond kindly to him. And so now Nehemiah uses this opportunity to now make his bold request. Nehemiah verse 5 says, with a prayer to the God of heaven, 
I replied, If it please the king and you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah, which is where Jerusalem is, to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. And then Nehemiah goes on and continues to make his bold request for the travel papers that he will need and even for the materials he's going to need to rebuild the city walls. He even asks for some timber from the king's own forest. And we read in verse 9, And the king granted these requests. Why? Because the gracious hand of God was on me. So God's answer to Nehemiah's bold prayer was a bold plan. But it was a plan that required Nehemiah to step outside of his comfort zone. It required obedience even in the face of the possibility that it may cost him his life, it may cost him being sent to prison. Nehemiah, in spite of his fear, he was willing to make that bold request. But what did he do in that fearful place? Do you remember where we read? He said, with the prayer to God in heaven, I replied. He breathed that silent prayer, that prayer that was layered upon all of those six months of prayer. And in that moment, he stepped out in faith and made that bold request, believing that the gracious hand of God would be upon him. You know, many scholars believe that when Ezra wrote the book of Nehemiah, that he actually used as his primary source the memoir that Nehemiah had written. Well, several years ago, I had the opportunity to edit the memoir of my husband's grandmother. Her name was Myrtle Dorothea Beale, but her, the title she would be known by was Reverend M.D. Beale. And I think she used the M.D. because she wasn't that thrilled with either Myrtle or Dorothea. <laughs> but to most people, she would be known as Sister Beale or Mom Beale. And she uh, founded and she pastored a church that would first be known as Bethesda Missionary Tabernacle. And in 19, I want to say it's about 1948, towards the end of that year, that God visited this church with the great move of the Holy Spirit that would be called a Latter Rain Revival. And people came from all over the country, even from parts of the world, to experience this move and visitation of the Holy Spirit. And in her memoir, which is titled, uh, God's Hand on My Shoulder, she tells about her min how this ministry all began. This ministry began in 1934 in a little storefront on the east side of Detroit. And here's a picture of this of this storefront building, just a very plain, unassuming building. And like Nehemiah, when you read her memoir, she experienced throughout her life the gracious hand of God that was upon her. But when you read her memoir, you also learn how many times she had to pray bold prayers, bold prayers that required of her bold obedience. You see, in just two short years after starting this little church in the storefront building, just people kept coming. And this storefront was no longer large enough to contain everyone that was coming. And so she began to pray, Lord, we need a bigger building. We need a bigger place to worship you in. And so as she began to pray, God gave her an answer. 
She was informed that there was a portable church on the west side of Detroit in a lumberyard. It was a portable church that had been used by a Lutheran congregation while they were building their permanent church. And once they had finished and had their building, they sold the building to the lumberyard. So here in this lumberyard is this portable church, a wood, white, white-clad building with a simple steeple with gothic-shaped windows. And when she saw that building, she knew this was the answer to her prayer. This was the what that she had prayed for. But there was a problem. The, the, the lumberyard wanted $850 for this building. Now, that doesn't seem much to us today. But to this young church who didn't have a building fund, who was barely making payments week to week, to them $850 may have been as much as a million dollars in their mind. It was so overwhelming. It was so big. But she could only do what she had always done. She began to pray a bold prayer. She began to pray about how, Lord, how are we going to pray, how are we going to pay for this building? Well, the first day she began to pray, this man's face came to mind. He was a red-haired businessman who owned the local hardware store. And she began to pray, and his face came to mind. And as soon as it did, she just pushed it out of her mind, just saying, it's just a distraction because this man is not interested in anything we are doing. In fact, this is what she wrote. She said, I was puzzled and confused at this, for this man was not at all sympathetic to our work. And so she just dismissed it. Second day she prayed. Again, this man's face came to mind. She prayed in the morning. She prayed at noon. She prayed in the evening. Every time she prayed, this man's face came to mind. And every time she just dismissed it. Lord, I don't even know this man. He isn't even aware of what we're doing in this little storefront building. This can't be the answer to my prayer. The third day she prays. Again, this man's face comes to mind. And finally she says, I get it, Lord. You want me to go to this man and ask him for the $850. Now remember, this is not someone she really knows. She knows of him, but she doesn't know him. And so the thought of going to this man and asking for $850 to buy a church must have been terrifying. Maybe not as terrifying as it was for Nehemiah to stand before the king, but certainly this was uncomfortable. This is not something that she really wanted to do. But she, know that this God, she knew that this was God's plan. He had put it in her heart. And so she walked to the hardware store. She was ushered into his office she refers to him as Mr. Ed. So she walks into Mr. Ed's office and she noticed that there are some other people in the office with him. And so very politely, she says to him, is it possible that I could just speak to you alone for just a few minutes? And her, his answer was not at all what she expected. Very gruffly, he just responded, if you have something to say, then just say it. Now, on the way to the hardware store, she had prepared this beautiful speech. You know, she had prepared, you know, everything she was going to say to make this man amenable to her request for $850. But when he responded so gruffly, that all went out of the window, and she just blurted out, I want to buy a tabernacle. He said, a what? A tabernacle? A church? 
what does that have to do with me? She said, well, I want you to buy it for me. <laughs> and he looked at her in total bewilderment and said, you want me to buy you a tabernacle? And he just looked at her as if she were crazy. He just stared at her. And she's standing there, staring back. <laughs> he said, finally, well, where is this tabernacle? She says, well, it's in this lumber yard on the west side of Detroit. How much is it? $850. And with that, he looked at her now as if she had really lost her mind. You're crazy, lady. But he didn't say anything. He just kind of stared at her. And she's standing there in a very uncomfortable place. And the man starts shaking his head. And when the head goes back and forth, she was so sure he was going to say no. In fact, she wrote this. I was almost about to turn away when suddenly he snapped, go outside and get in the car. And so she did. They drove to the lumberyard in silence. When they arrived at the lumberyard, they saw the building, the wood, white-clad building with the simple steeple with the Gothic-shaped windows. And he looked at it and he said, is that the building you want? She goes, yes. He says, are you sure? She said, yes. So she followed him into the lumberyard, and she watched as Mr. Ed pulled a check out of his pocket that had been signed by someone else. He turned it over, endorsed it, and he gave the man the check for $850. Once they got back into the car, Mr. Ed said to her, you don't know how lucky you were I had that check in my pocket. You know, I tried to deposit that check in the bank several times last week, but that check, I always came home with the check in my pocket. And she said to him, the fact that you had that check was known. God knew you had that check. He said, well, why, what makes you say that? And she said, I've been praying for three days, and every single time I prayed, your face came to mine. God put you on my heart that you were the answer, that you would have the $850. And he said, but why would God send you to me the way I'm living, the way I live? And she said, God, who knows the end from the beginning, he knows that you are going to be saved and that God is doing something in you and through you that one day you will better understand. Amen. Wow. And she watched, she watched as a tear ran down the man's cheek. Amen. But that's not the end of the miracle. As they're driving back to the hardware store, and she's just so elated, she's got her tabernacle. <laughs> but all of a sudden, Mr. Ed is kind of struck by a thought. He turned to her and said, by the way, where are you going to move the church building to? Where is the property? And in that moment, she realized that she was so busy praying about how they're going to pay for this building, she never thought about the place she would have to put it. <laughs> and so all she could do in that moment was to answer honestly, I just, I didn't think about it. I was so focused on Buying the building, I didn't think about where the land or the property that I would need. 
And the man turned and looked at her and said, so you had me buy you a building and you have no place to put it? And he pulled the car over to the curb, turned off the motor, and he just stared at her. And all she did was stare back and she began praying. That silent prayer. Well, suddenly, he turned the car back on, pulled it away from the curb, continued driving back to the hardware store, and he said, well, find two good lots and I'll buy them for you. And with those words, she realized that yet another bold but silent prayer had been answered. And this time, it was a tear that streamed down her cheek when she realized how good God was, how faithful God is. When we're willing to pray a bold prayer and then respond with obedience to God's, God's plan. And here's a picture of the miracle church with its simple steeple and Gothic windows. It's kind of a, the picture is very old, but you can see her with her growing congregation. You know, I always love revisiting the testimonies of how God answered Sister Beale's bold prayers, but I also realized so often those prayers that required her to put her faith into action took her to uncomfortable places. Remember, it was not very comfortable going into that office when he responded so gruffly. Remember that was that moment as he's shaking his head, looking like he's going to say no, that she was ready to turn and leave. And if she had fled in that uncomfortable moment, she would have missed the miracle. She would have missed out on the more that God had for her and her young church. So even when we are being obedient to God's plan, it doesn't mean that there won't be opposition or there won't be an obstacle we may have to face. But what it does mean is that what God wants us to do is press forward in faith and obedience, and he will be there with the gracious hand of God upon us. You see, this is something that Nehemiah understood when he faced obstacles, when he faced opposition. He never forgot that God's gracious hand was upon him. For you see, within days of arriving in Jerusalem, he decided to go out under the cover of night and actually see how bad the walls were, how difficult the task to rebuild this wall was going to be, and what he found was discouraging. It was overwhelming. It was worse than he had even anticipated. And in that moment, Nehemiah could have given up before he even started. But instead, he gathered together all the Jerusalem Jews and their leaders, and he shared with them what God had placed upon his heart. He acknowledged that the damage was bad, but he declares, listen, this is my divine challenge. Nehemiah 2:18. Let's rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. Let's end this disgrace. Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and the conversation with the king. And recognizing, the leaders recognized that God was in this plan. This is how they responded. Yes, let's rebuild the wall. And so the good work began. How excited Nehemiah must have been to see that because he had been obedient to God's plan, his plan was becoming a reality. The walls was being rebuilt. But you know, not everyone was excited about what was happening. They wasn't excited about this rebuilding plan. There were three regional leaders, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, they were not part of the Jewish community, nor were they sympathetic to it. 
And so they posed a serious threat. They did not want the wall to be rebuilt. They wanted to keep God's people defenseless and vulnerable. They wanted to keep God's people in that, in that place of disgrace. But even though the opposition of these influential men posed a serious threat, Nehemiah did not retreat. This was his response. Nehemiah, verse 20. The God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding the wall. And you know what? They did. As we'll learn in the weeks to come, they rebuilt that wall in 52 days. That is a miracle. I'm sorry, Pastor Tony or Pastor Chris, if I stole a little bit of your thunder. But where did this miracle begin, though? It began when Nehemiah was burdened, right? When he grieved over the condition of the wall in Jerusalem. It began with the burden and then a commitment to pray and being willing and daring to pray a bold prayer. Where did the miracle for Sister Beale began? It began with a burden, a commitment to pray, and being willing to pray that bold prayer. Where did the miracle of this church being built on this property begin? It began with a burden that was on the heart of Pastor Tony and Therese and that congregation in Burr Elementary, right? And they were willing and committed to pray, and they dared to pray a bold prayer. It wasn't without opposition, an obstacle. But if you remain faithful to God's plan, he will make it possible for you to find success, for that miracle to become a reality. You see, the Lord is not afraid of bold prayers. In fact, it says in Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, One translation says, Come boldly to the throne of our gracious God that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God isn't just giving us permission. He's giving us an invitation to approach him with bold prayers. But I think sometimes we hesitate to pray those bold prayers because we know they may involve bold obedience. It means we may have to be in those uncomfortable places where we have to confront our fear of failure, our fear of rejection, our fear of what others may think or what it may cost us. But there is something to always remember that when it is God's plan, not our plan, when it is God's plan, even when it takes us to uncomfortable places, even when we face obstacles or oppositions, God will help us succeed because he is a faithful God, because his gracious hand, his hand that was upon Nehemiah, that was upon Sister Beale, his hand is upon each one of us today. Now, in a moment, the worship team is going to come, and they're going to lead us in a worship song called Same God. We sang it in the opening of our service. It's become a favorite of mine because it reminds me of the same God who moved in power for Jacob and Moses and David and Mary is the same God who moves in power in our lives today. The same God who moved in power for Nehemiah and Sister Beale is the same God who moves in power for us today. So this time, when we sing it together as a church family, I want you to sing it as a prayer, bringing to him whatever is heavy on your heart. What report have you received 
that grieves you, that is heavy on your heart, that is distressing to you. Maybe it's what you've seen and what you've heard about all the craziness that's going on in our world today. Maybe it's the reports you hear about the culture crisis in our nation where the walls of objective truth concerning family and faith and morality and kindness and civility, those walls need to be rebuilt, and that is heavy on your heart. Or maybe what is heavy on your heart is something more personal, where the walls that need to be rebuilt are walls that have to do with your, your health or your finances, or maybe it's relationships that you have in your life. As we sing, let's be strengthened by the truth that we can boldly approach the throne of God with whatever is heavy on our heart and he hears and he will put a plan in our heart and he will be faithful to empower us to follow that plan, to be obedient and to see God move on our behalf. So would you stand with me as the worship team sings this song. Let's sing it as a prayer unto our God. I know there's crumble cookies waiting for you in the foyer. <laughs> but I'm going to ask if you could give me just a few more minutes. I think most of you are aware that one hour before our services on Sunday, there's a team of men and women who pray over this service. They pray over the worship team. They pray for who's ever going to speak. They pray for each one of you, everyone that comes through this door. They pray for everyone that will watch or is watching online. They cover us with prayer. And so I thought it would be good if we invited two of those who are part of that team. Pastor Therese, if you'd come, she leads that prayer team. Our elder, Bob Rowe, if he would come. And what I'm going to ask them to do, that as a church family, you know there's a scripture, when we join together, when we unite together in prayer, it's powerful. There's a, when we pray earnestly and fervently, come boldly to our God in prayer. He hears us. And you know, we have some needs. And so I'm going to ask that Bob would pray as collectively leading us, but that we're going to pray with him. Not just going to listen to the prayer, but we're going to pray with this prayer. You know what I mean, right? And Bob's going to pray for our nation. We need some bold prayers over our nation. Amen? And Pastor Therese, she's going to pray over our families and over our youth and even over the personal needs we have. How many know our families need to be covered? Our youth need to be covered. So, Brother Bob, if you go ahead. Hallelujah. We're going to pray for... Am I on? Okay. All right. Will you join me in a prayer for our nation? Thank you. Heavenly Father, mighty God. Amen. Great God, wonderful God that we serve, Lord. What a privilege it is to come into your presence, Lord. Father, to bring our cares and our concerns before you, Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are right here in the midst with us today, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, just as in the days of old, Lord, you are faithful 
and just to hear our prayers today, Father God. We join together, Lord, in unity and prayer for our nation today, Father. And Father, we are asking in bold, with, with bold prayers, Lord God, Father, that you would intervene in a way that only you can intervene, Father God. That you will work in ways, Lord, in our country that only you are able to work in, Lord God. Father, when we look at things, Lord, and complain and they look hopeless, there is nothing hopeless to you, Lord. There is nothing that you can't do. There is nothing that you can't fix and there is nothing that you can't remedy, Lord. So we bring our nation to you, Father God, and we pray for our nation, Lord. Just as Nehemiah spent time in prayer, Lord God, fasting and praying and worshiping, confessing his sins, Lord, of himself and his family and his nation, Lord. We do the same thing today, Father God. We desire, Lord God, for you to move in power. Move in power, Lord, in our nation today like only you can, Father God. Father, um, you have spelt out, Lord, uh, how we can have our nation healed, Lord. We want healing for our nation. You said it, Lord, in your scripture, very simply, you said, if my people, if my people who are called by my name, if they'll humble themselves, if they will pray, if they will seek my face, if they will turn from their wicked ways, if they do these things, then I will hear from my throne in heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land, Lord. Give us that heart of Nehemiah to pray, Lord, uh, for our country, Lord God, and not complain, Lord God. Father, we think about, Lord, in past times, Lord, when that temple was built, Lord. Father, um, you gave them such an enabling to build that temple, Lord. Your scripture tells us that, Lord, you moved. Father, it said that you stirred the spirit, Lord, of Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, to the building of that temple. It says that you stirred the spirit, Lord God, of Jonah. It says that you stirred the spirit of all the remnant of the people, Lord. And because of that, the work was able to get done, Lord. Father, we are asking today that you would stir the spirit. Stir the spirit of our leaders, Lord God. We have a spiritual rebuilding that we need to do here in America. We need to return to our core values uh, of faith and family here in America, Lord God. And Father, it's not something that we can do on our own, Lord. We pray, Lord God, for your enabling and your stirring of the spirit, O oh Lord God, in every area and every way, Father God. We pray, Lord, for our leaders, Lord, who are in authority. We pray against pride. We pray against arrogance, dishonesty, corruption, and personal agendas that are contrary to the Word of God. We pray instead for integrity, divine guidance and wisdom, discernment, understanding, humble and contrite hearts that will lead them to a place, Lord, where they will accept you as their Lord and Savior. We pray, Lord, that Bibles will be opened all over within our leadership, Lord God, and they would develop a hunger for the Word of God. Lead us and guide us and direct us, Lord, we pray, Father God. Father, Lord, when all around us is shaking, you are our firm foundation, a rock 
that we can trust in, a rock that we can lean on, Lord God. And Father, we pray, Lord Jesus, uh, Lord, for all of our country, Lord God. Father, we need you. These are desperate times, Lord. We need you, Lord God. We need you. We need you. We need you. Come and move uh, in our country, Lord. We pray, Lord God, uh, that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would just rain down all across this land, Lord, uh, from one end of it to the other, every state, Lord, every place, Lord. Uh, Father, Lord God, raise up your churches, Lord, not just this church, Lord, but every church throughout the entire nation, oh Lord God. Rain your Holy Spirit down, we pray, Lord. Quicken our spirits and enable us to do the work that you have called us to do, Lord, with great boldness and not timidity, Father. We thank you, Lord, and give you praise. We thank you that you hear our prayers because you're the same God who answered prayers back then, and you are the same God who answered prayers now, Lord. We thank you for hearing our prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we know from last week when Pastor had that sermon, there's a lot of people dealing with some really hard circumstances. So, this is going to require faith. Not just my faith, but your faith. So I want you to, add, right now, we're going to ask God to muster up that gift of faith. There's a gift of faith that he gives to us so we can pray these bold prayers. So, Lord, we are asking right now for a gift of faith. Lord, and I want to hear everyone's voices. Lord, we are just bringing these insurmountable circumstances before your throne of grace. Lord, whether we're dealing with situations or someone that we know and love is involved in a very, very hard, very difficult circumstance, Lord. We pray for health issues, Lord. We pray for Ashley Shar right now, believing for her uh, healing and recovery. Lord, we pray for marriages. We pray for relationships, Lord. We pray for health issues issues, financial issues, Lord. We are bringing, Lord, circumstances, Lord, that look so hard and so difficult and so impossible. We are bringing them right now before your throne of grace, and we are asking God, move. Move in these situations, Lord. Move the mountains out of the way, Lord. We are asking for that anointing right now that will destroy every yoke of darkness, that will keep our our loved ones, Lord, in these circumstances, Lord, we just break off the yoke of the enemy. We bind Satan and every demonic force in power that would hinder, that would harass, that would trouble our loved ones and those that we care about, these relationships, these circumstances, these, these health issues, these difficulties. Lord, nothing is impossible with you. Lord, we bring our families, we bring our youth, our children, Lord, marriages, Lord. We bring husbands and wives. We bring the singles, the widows, Lord. We bring, Lord, those children and the youth, Lord, before your throne of grace. And, Lord, we are asking that you cover them.
that you surround them, that you would keep your hand upon them, that you would not let go of those that we love, that you would bring healing, help, wholeness, that you would release giftings and callings and destinies and plans and purposes. Lord, again, we bind the darkness. We bind the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy from our loved ones, from our families, from our children, from marriages, from relationships. And Lord, we release so God, the spirit of the living God and believe in Jesus name for healing, for restoration, for reconciliation, Lord, for ministries to be birthed and destinies to be released. God, in the mighty name of Jesus, Satan has no power, no authority over our loved ones in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, put your hedge around them and do not let go of any one of them until we see them, Lord, moving and walking in your kingdom plan and kingdom purposes, fulfilling their destiny in Jesus Christ. Amen. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad we have such men and women who can intercede and lead us in prayer, right? We are blessed in this church. This morning, though, uh, before we dismiss, if there's anyone here who just wants some individual prayer, we have prayer ministers that will be down here in the front and would be more than happy to pray a bold prayer with you for your personal need. Otherwise, I just want to say thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for opening up your hearts and being willing to pray bold prayers. And go enjoy those crumble cookies. Thank you.